podcast 30 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the new normal for holiday and travel in the UK. But first, given that things are moving um, very, very quickly in the uh, Covid holiday world, we should have a quick update of what happened since our last podcast. And I'm not sure whether we can actually take credit for this, but uh, after you highlighted the uh, huge backlog of passport applications uh, being processed or not being processed by the Home Office, uh, they seem to have um, pulled their fingers out. Is that right? (laughs) Well, I think we should take credit now and ask questions later. Yes. So what they've done is basically said, um, if you applied for an ordinary renewal and you have a booking to travel in the next two weeks and you applied at least four weeks ago, then they are guaranteeing a uh, a delivery of your passport within five working days. Now, in almost all circumstances, that will include a weekend. So I don't know why they didn't just say within a week. Um, But uh, unfortunately, anybody who's after a new passport, anybody particularly who... um, it's trying to get a new adult passport, which requires an enormous amount of um, uh, work. That's not going to happen. Um, but actually, Mick, for an awful lot of people um, who are planning to go to our most popular holiday country, Spain, um, it will all be irrelevant because they're probably not going now because of um, the shock announcement on Saturday night, 25th of July, um, when they suddenly said, right, oh, are you hundreds of thousands of people on holiday in Spain? You're all going to go and have to sit in a room for two weeks when you come back. Different rooms, not the same one. Um, and uh, of course, anybody going away uh, now needs to um, be prepared to do exactly the same. So um, yet more muddle, all the more reason for going to um, beautiful Britain for your holiday instead. Um, but of course, we've got a new normal here. Yes, how true. I mean, my new normal is that after going on at some length last week about the difficulties of actually finding a place to go to in France, which would be both lovely and safe and not too expensive and had a good cancellation policy in case of a sudden confinement or lockdown uh, in the locality, I've now decided that I'm actually not going to go at all. Uh, And I'm going to um, explore the uh, delightful countryside of East Sussex, uh, where it borders Kent. And this was because last week um, I went to the sea. Now, guess um, where it was I went from this recording. Okay, well, East Sussex, I'm thinking possibly Bexhill, possibly Eastbourne, but I'm going to say Hastings. That's, I think, the most uh, notable uh, town along that uh, stretch of coast. That's not a bad guess, actually. Um, The sound, of course, was the sea lapping and then sometimes crashing on a shingle beach. And in fact, if you go uh, due east of Hastings, but not quite as far as uh, Camber Sands, which of course would sound a lot different because it's all sands and sand dune, you'd find a fairly isolated stretch of uh, beach called Winchelsea. And that's actually where we went for a day trip. And it all looks uh, terribly nice. And more to the point, when we got in the sea, it was actually quite warm. Well, if you've not been there, I strongly recommend a 
visit to Romney Marsh, particularly uh, these difficult days, because it is, I think, the wildest, most exotic place in the whole of the UK. It's a complete aberration. So you have this kind of very low-lying, mysterious location, um, which feels and indeed is disconnected from everywhere else by the Royal Military Canal, which, as you'll recall, was built um, as a last, literally, last-ditch defence against uh, Napoleon in the early, I think, 19th century. Um, And on top of that, you've got uh, 14 astonishing churches being looked after by the Historic Churches Trust. And it is uh, just you feel as though you are in some... uh, It just feels like a definition of otherworldliness. And so I urge you to to head along there uh, next time you you, uh, need to disconnect from humanity. Yes, well, Steph, my partner and I walked along the Royal Military Canal um, and uh, we were the only people to do so. Dragonflies, various water birds. Um, I thought I saw an orchid, but Steph said it wasn't. And then adding to that sense of ghostliness and weirdness, which uh, you mentioned, uh, the two nuclear power stations of Dungeness A and B, neither of which are actually working at the moment. One of them is being repaired, which is a slightly worrying idea. Um, and the other one is in the state of being um, decommissioned, which apparently will take another hundred years. I think before it's safe to um, take down but uh, it's all um, it is all very odd and kind of quite exciting close by and maybe you want to stay here next time is of course the town of Rye which is um, notable for a couple of things this week uh, the first one is that it's actually been voted one of the very best seaside towns in the UK which will come as a surprise to anybody who's lived there over the past few hundred years since it's now two miles from the English Channel and there is the marvellous Mermaid Inn uh, which um, has quite a stylish sign saying rebuilt 1420 and of course the uh, regulation smugglers tales and uh, uh, nautical um, bits and pieces in the bar so i strongly recommend that as well well i look forward to um finding out a bit more about uh, the charms of uh, rye and and indeed all the rest of that interesting area when i go there in september but during my day trip i was surprised really at how few people there were on the beach. I know it's not one of the most attractive ones. and the, But really, there were very few people. They were um, respecting distances. Uh, and it is really a very long beach. So there wasn't any problem on that score. But what was most difficult to find out, really, was what was and wasn't open. I noticed that the caravan park, or one of the caravan parks, because that's one of the uh, sort of major sources of holiday accommodation down that way was only welcoming holiday makers to their static caravan yes which it seems to be a rebranding of mobile homes but <laughs> touring caravans were not actually being um, allowed in at all for obviously reasons related to covid and it just made me realize what a strange patchwork of uh, what is open what isn't open what you can do what you can't do um which has um, i suppose slowly emerging um over the country i think there is a lot of fear out there um and i think it is um a, a fear of 
strangers, which because we've been basically told, be afraid, be very afraid. Um, you know, you mustn't go within two meters of anybody, or is it a meter, or is it a meter plus? Um, and it, clearly, you've got to be in your own little bubble. And as a result of that, I think we are we're being taken back almost to sort of medieval times where of course strangers did generally uh, or very often mean threats um and i think this is being felt the world across um but particularly maybe in the uk um where it has to be said we i think on a world scale haven't handled this uh, brilliantly and that is most definitely diminishing confidence in travel um and actually um you were in east sussex well i've been talking to um a couple of people from maidstone across the border in kent um karen and jan and i just asked how they felt about traveling around the uk um everybody's a bit skeptical about traveling and a bit worried and um, perhaps waiting for to hear from others how their experiences are and um, once they hear you know from friends and family they might then have more confidence to go ahead and travel themselves. Trains I don't know how they're going to work that because how can they monitor so many people getting on a train and wearing a mask Um, and the same with the tube really I don't really fancy it at the moment Um, I think I'll try and avoid it as much as I can until there's some kind of vaccine maybe to protect us. I can see what um, Karen and Jan mean about uh, once you've tried something, uh, actually, it's no longer as worrying as it was. But my take on this all along has been if I knew more about what the transmission rate was in the place that I'm thinking of going to, I would then decide whether to go there or whether not to go there. And it's as simple as that. So I think you need to be able to say, well, sadly, Winchelsea has had... 10 cases this week so you would think well actually probably not a good idea to go to the pub there and that kind of thing Uh, yes and wouldn't it be interesting if we did get that as almost part of the kind of uh, local weather forecast so uh, you know as in there'll be showers in Tunbridge Wells but you really don't want to go anywhere particularly close to um, uh, Hastings well I do think that uh, with the uh, uh, lifting of restrictions. A lot of British holidaymakers have uh, made it to the coast, particularly in those very attractive parts of uh, the West Country, uh, Dorset, Devon and Cornwall. Um, and amongst them um, were um, a couple of intrepid cyclists, uh, young doctors, one of whom um, is my son uh, Silas. Um, and they cycled from London to uh, Land's End or um, well that's what they were planning to do anyway and I joined them on the first leg of the uh, of the journey which was to Brighton right got my mask got my hand sanitizer got my helmet got my cycling gloves Uh, tyres seem well pumped up yes I'm getting ready for a cycling expedition and uh, I'm quite excited about it and slightly daunted because I think it might be the uh, longest trip I've ever undertaken on a bike I'm cycling 
I'm intending to cycle to Brighton. Well, not exactly to Brighton. I'm going to go halfway to Brighton and then I'm going to turn around and cycle back. So the distance will be round about 50 miles, which will be about the, uh, uh, the same distance as actually going there. But I won't need to come back on public transport. Now, the good news about all of this is that um, I'm going to be accompanying two young A&E doctors on this trip. And I can't think of uh, better companions in these times. The bad news, on the other hand, is that uh, they're several decades younger than me and will be riding much smarter bikes, the ones with drop handlebars and very thin tyres. Whereas mine is uh, what is known as a hybrid, a sturdier but um, much slower beast. But what I'm banking on is that uh, they're going to be slowed down by all the stuff that they'll be carrying. Not uh, medical emergency equipment to cope with me, but tents, sleeping bags, portable stoves and the like. Because they're just setting off at the beginning of a camping cycling holiday. Hello, chaps. How are you? Have you got your gas mask? How's it going? I've, I've, of course I've got a mask on. Hello, Rob. How are you? Hello, Silas. How's it going? Yeah, that's all right. Well, you've got your lovely little... Oh. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah no, I'm just going to record a little bit for my um, podcast. I just want to check that you've got loads of stuff so you'll be slowed down. And, 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 and my tail, Mick. Oh, wow, that is a huge amount of stuff. Look, my thing is all back-loaded, so it's just fully wheelies the whole way. That is brilliant. Have you got, um, have you got a defibrillator and... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's in here. And, excellent, yeah. and, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and maybe a por- portable ventilator, because yeah. I might well need both. But, uh, We've uh, got our PPE as well. We've got your PPE, fantastic. OK, well, that's... that's well, brilliant. OK, do you want a coffee before yeah, we go? Oh, I Well, actually, I only accompanied them for the first three hours of the journey, um, which took me as far as a place called Turner's Hill, which you will um, recognise as being um, within um, parachuting distance of Gatwick Airport and Crawley, of course, where you are from. Well, I'm very excited. This is quite a... a, 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 a I feel there's, there's um, a lot of great local interest here for those of us who did grow up south of the river and in south-east England, um, and a much-overlooked part of the world, Turner's Hill, that used to be the old road um, down to Brighton. And uh, so uh, there you were, carving your way through through history. I suppose so. Um, all I felt at the time was really quite tired. It's just amazing how many hills there are between uh, Streatham Hill, where I started from, and Turner's Hill, um, where I ended up, and where I was looking forward to having a drink uh, with the boys to celebrate having um, got two-thirds of the way towards Brighton. And, of course, the pub was closed for um, COVID reasons, and we, and it's another part of this wretched new normal which isn't you really need to check up on just about everything to find out whether it is going to be open whether you need to book um, if you are going to get in there and indeed what kind of precautions they're taking there and where there is evidence that they're taking this very seriously anyway I left the boys there um, I uh, made my rather slower way back on my own um, and then I rang them um, a few days later to find out um, whether they'd got to Land's End or not. 
Hello, Silas. Hello, hello. Ah, oh, gosh. Um, are you there? Have you got to Land's End? Have you managed to get there? Yes. Yeah, we've we've got here. We've um, managed to reach what is actually a strange bit of a theme park that they've built um, at the end of the western point of England. Um, but it's very kind of empty up to that point. The last kind of 40 kilometres, we saw nothing. And then you get to Land's End where suddenly there's a massive expanse of a car park where tourists are blocking to. Um, and you can go and pay a few quid to go on rides or take a photo with a, a sign which shows how far America is away. <laughs> Was it very full? Were there lots of people there? There was tons of people, um, not many cyclists. We thought we might kind of get a welcoming in party with people who are doing either London to Land's End or John O'Groat to Land's End. Um, but everyone else seemed to be on foot and we were the only people in our uh, in our Lycra and bikes there. <laughs> was it very difficult? You did, you did hundreds of kilometres. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was hard. I'd say that there were definitely days which were easier than others. Um, Rob has a fancy app that said, told us that we've done 686 kilometres. Um, and uh, let me just make sure I get it right in terms of the elevation. So apparently we did 26,000 feet upwards. Um, and then even more weirdly, it tells you how many wheel revolutions that is. And it's 3.56 million. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a lot. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it, it definitely felt a lot. <laughs> and, uh, what, and what about um, what you found along the way? Because we've talked a lot about the uh, new normal in this podcast and about things being um, closed when you weren't expecting them to be uh, open. You needed to book and it, sometimes places are incredibly crowded, other times completely empty. How did, how did you find it? Yeah, so I think that we probably did it the right way for the situation at the moment in that we didn't book anything, mainly because we were quite late notice in deciding we were going, but also we weren't sure how many kilometres we were going to be doing a day, so we had to be quite fluid in terms of where we were going to end up. So it meant that we'd kind of roll up to places, and like, exactly like you said, Often, particularly in Devon and Cornwall, it's just going into school holidays when we were cycling. Everything that you could book online was full. Um, so even like when we were trying to call places up, um, they were all invariably saying that they were full up. But you'd stumble af upon a few places which are, are not kind of ha don't have a big kind of TripAdvisor presence, or you can't book on Booking.com, and they're all empty. One of the weird things that we found in quite a lot of campsites that we went to was that. I think it's because it's difficult to maintain sanitary conditions and social distancing in public toilets and public shower facilities. Um, like quite a lot of campsites have opened for business but not opened their toilet blocks. Um, so you'd get in there and they'd ask you, have you brought your own toilet? Um, to which we'd look over our panniers and say, no, we couldn't quite carry that. Um, um, and, uh, and some of them were, were, were kind of would, would still let us stay and just use a local pub to go to the loo. Um, and others were quite strict about it. They were like, no, you, you can't come in unless you've got a toilet. Uh, I assume that they'd be worried about what you do in their field without, um, without the toilet there.
I was quite impressed by that, actually. It, it sounds um, uh, a, a splendid um, uh, venture. And again, uh, making the most of um, wonderful travel opportunities in the UK. Although I know for a fact um, that, that your son certainly uh, has been um, uh, uh, travelled further and wider, I think, uh, possibly even than us. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Um, but I mean, one of the things that uh, the doctors reported was that sort of odd combination of some places apparently totally closed for business and others so rammed um uh like uh, for example i think sorkham last week there was sort of questions about um how on earth in the narrow streets of these uh, historic uh, seaside towns and i would imagine rye would also come into that category how on earth any kind of uh, sensible social distancing can be kept uh, and um, and therefore whether you know somebody who is um, uh, rather more protective of their health like me whether it's very wise for them to actually go there it's, it's uh, yeah the, what's open what isn't how many people are going to be there is a, a, a um very, very difficult one to answer at the moment. So we've got, uh, for example, um, Tate St. Ives um, opening on Monday the 27th of July. But it's going to be very, very different because, um, as anybody who, who knows that lovely uh, uh, gallery in the on the Cornish coast, um, the great thing was that it was raining and you thought, oh, well, we can always go to... Um, uh, Tate and um, uh, enjoy the collection there but no now you need to book in advance and the same thing happens right across the kingdom for all sorts of tourist um, attractions when I went to the Giants Causeway um, in June I was told well you're very lucky that uh, you've booked in advance because otherwise we wouldn't let you in even though it was hurtling down with rain um, and uh, there were 150 something visitors that day as opposed to many thousands this is another thing we need to add to our um, new look weather forecast. So um, <laughs> rates of COVID infection and how many people are thronging your streets um, at this very moment. And how many um, places are remaining on the uh, last few spots for visiting Tate Modern or indeed many other tourist attractions? Um, yes, we're, we're the, the, the days of the dilettante just um deciding at the drop of a hat to do stuff is i think um over uh, at least for now it is odd isn't it because we were talking in one of our more recent podcasts about how uh the pandemic had thrown us back to the some of the things that um were the norm in the 1970s but actually uh actually there's <laughs> It's not really like that at all, is it? Because you actually now need to have um, uh, a fast broadband connection at all times, a whole kind of a, a whole briefcase full of apps just to be able to um, go, <laughs> go, go somewhere, have a drink, have fish and chips and possibly enjoy a swim. Um, <laughs> yes, 2020 and impulse travel simply are not suited. There is so much uncertainty about there, out there about everything. And that, of course, feeds through to confidence about travelling abroad. And there will still, despite the many attractions that we've been discussing in the UK, be those of us who want to travel 
But, well, you were talking earlier about social distancing and passenger aviation and staying two metres away or even one metre away from your fellow humans is simply not compatible with um, going through an airport and getting on a plane. Now, interestingly, I've been on probably a dozen now and they've all been okay. And I was actually talking to an aviation professional. This is Vanessa Newman. When it does pick up again, I think confidence will come back. Um, I'm certainly not afraid of uh, going flying right now, to be honest with you. Um, it is the new normal and uh, as much as, as safe as it can be, really, with wearing of the masks. And yes, you do have to have your mask with you at all times. But I think that's really going to be the new normal, whether you're travelling around the UK or indeed around the world. Well, that brings us really on to uh, our next podcast, which um, is going to be on the theme of Shaw was glad to be out of there alive. Um, and I think a sort of staple of, uh, of um, travel anecdotes when things go so badly wrong uh, that you um, uh, feel that uh, if not your life was in danger, certainly your um, well-being was uh, at serious risk. So there you go. Um, Shaw was glad to be out of there alive. Um, next week on You Should Have Been There. And meanwhile, of course, we love to hear from you at anchor.fm slash you should have been there. You can leave us a message anytime you like. But meanwhile, thank you for listening. And from me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.